Hey guys, thank you so much for your patience. We are live with Garland Favorito of Voter GA. I'm Monica Perez here with my co-host Brad Binkley. We are of the Propaganda Report and we have uh, live listeners here asking questions. Garland has been our election integrity activist, uh, a friend of the show for many years. And who knew that Georgia would be the absolute center of what may turn out to be a, a pivotal uh, point in U.S. history. If you listen to the news, you hear that it is I, I, this week, just to give people an update, and then I hear an update from Garland. This is the week that the. Uh, Pro-Trumpers allegedly stormed the Capitol to stop Congress from certifying the Electoral co College in favor of Biden. What, what they, you never hear on the left or the right is that what what actually happened was some people got into the Capitol. We, there's disputes as to how what the events happened. But the actual upshot was they stopped. What they stopped is not the certification of Biden. They accelerated the certification of Biden and they stopped the process by which we could constitutionally object to the way or that the um, some electors still in dispute were certified and sent up to Congress. So the plan that they apparently had are alleged to have had completely backfired. And now to make matters worse, to add fuel to the fire, Democrats, celebrities are calling for the impeachment or at least to vote on articles of impeachment or to invoke the 25th Amendment against Trump, which could do a variety of things. One, they suggest, would be included that he could not run again. Another thing would be that, uh, in my mind, if they if they did the 25th and they frog marched this guy out of the White House and the Republicans and the Democrats joined forces on that, it would be obviously the end of the two-party system, but it would add fuel to the fire of the people who seem to want to create some kind of uh, uprising in D.C. It's a very disturbing situation. In the meanwhile, Garland continues to respect and adhere to the process and fight the fight without being discouraged as he has sworn affidavits that poll workers have seen Ballots they believe to be inauthentic, mail-in ballots without creases, apparently on the wrong paper stock, and with the ballots marked not with pen or ink, but apparently in perfect circles with a printer, as if the ballots were printed out already marked. So this, or that's how I hear it, and this is continues to go through the courts in Georgia. Garland has not given up, although they have kicked the can on resolving this issue and letting him look and his gang Look at the ballots, which is all he's asking for. They keep kicking the can on that, but it's not over. So with that summary, I would like to hand it over to Garland. Garland, can you give us an update? Let's just say today is January 10th. For anyone who wants to put this in context, what's been happening since the last time we talked? Well, you pretty well uh, summed it up, uh, Monica. Um, so the uh, we did have a hearing uh, last week. And uh, the days are running together for me, but I think it was about four o'clock on Wednesday or something like that. Um, uh, and uh, it went actually went reasonably well. The first thing we had to do, since Fulton County had said that this was an election contest, they, they transferred it out of Fulton County. 
Um, so we had to uh, object to that and say, no, uh, it is not an election contest. The reason that we um, had to object for that, because if it was an election contest, they would have thrown it out of court because you only have five days to challenge an election. So uh, we objected and the judge uh, went along with us on that. He agreed that, you know, we, what we have is a constitutional claim case. It's a case of violation of equal protection uh, and due process of uh, Georgia law and the, actually the U.S. Constitution and Georgia Constitution, because if, in fact, these are uh, uh, fraudulent votes, like the uh, sworn affidavits seem to indicate, as well as some a couple of other monitors who who saw it as well, um, then the, our rights to vote were diluted in Georgia and technically even nationally. So that's the issue that's before the court. The court ruled that it was not uh, an election contest. Uh, it was a constitutional issue. So that was a good ruling for us. Uh, the second ruling that he made uh, was a, a question uh, over objection. The um, uh, Fulton County decided that they were going to object to our request for a public inspection of the ballots. And they couldn't say, they couldn't write anything about why they would object. They filed no brief, nothing on, on the record. Um, and they made a few comments in the in the hearing, which you can uh, listen to up on voterj.org uh, at the event tab. Um, and But the judge then uh, we, was going to allow them to have 30 days to respond. So the judge's argument, which was a fair argument, he said, well, if, since, since this is not an election case, why is it an emergency? Because we, we want an emergency ruling for the inspection. And that was a fair uh, uh, ruling. I think if I was an unbiased judge, uh, I would have said the same thing because I'm, I'm a little bit biased being, being in this. Well, because uh, a so, remedy would be unavailable. That's why you had to rush it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, well, see, but the remedy would be an election contest. See, we can't, the remedy can't be, since it's not an election contest, the remedy can't be the change of the results. Well, of the I election. would think the remedy so, would be the decertification of the elect electors. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I think what the remedy is is still on the table. Got it. Uh, so because it's not an election contest that, you know, the judge could decide that may or may not be the remedy. And in fact, that's really probably not for the for the court to decide at all. But, um, but so, what I'm saying is the court, if it says there's no reason for a hurry, I think the answer would be, well, it's possible the remedy has to be done before December 14th or January 6th or January 21st. And that's why you have to move it along. Yeah. So we're, that's not the remedy that we're asking. Okay. See, this, this is why that's now that's what oh, gets into. That's oh, why it is tricky. Yes, it's it is. Tricky. Because, see, that would be an election contest. Got it. It's tricky. Yeah. So but this is not an election contest. This is a constitutional issue. So our remedy uh, is uh, in fact, I'll tell you about the remedies. But what the second ruling is, uh, let me uh, I'll finish on yes, that point first. The second ruling was that he did not give the um, the Fulton County uh, 30 days to respond. He said uh, our argument was they didn't they failed to um, respond to my open records request which we will go into in a minute and whenever you want to. And therefore, they lost the ability to object. 
And he said, okay, we'll have an evidentiary hearing on that next week. And that, so that was good. So that, um, that way they don't have 30 days to respond. They have a week. And we're going to hopefully settle this next week. In an actual court of law, when you're litigating and someone says, I object, you can't just say I object. You simply have to have a basis in law in the in your sentence. I object because. So yeah. it seems like it would defeat it itself by not including reason unless the law rules are different for this kind of a case. Well, well, right. So so the attorney did raise a couple of objections. Uh, one of the objections she raised was that. Um, it would uh, violate the secret ballot. Um, and of course, we quickly explained that there is no tie between the ballots and the voters. Therefore, it doesn't violate the secret ballot. So even though she said that, so she, there was, she, they, were having, they were struggling to come up with an objection. And right. uh, so basically, and then our second argument was, you know, well, they don't, they're not entitled to object at this point in stage anyway. So that's what that's the significance of the hearing yeah. next week, which, which we can also talk about. But yeah. the the relief that we're asking, it's as you look in the in the case, what we're asking is for a declarative uh, relief, not necessarily. You know, we can't remedy. You know, the court's not going to change the election results. But what we're asking for is our relief right now for a temporary injunction is to um, allow us to visually inspect the ballots, number one allow us to forensically inspect the ballots, number two, give us the Dominion ballot images, which is number three, we wanna make sure that they haven't changed, the physical ballots haven't changed. And number four, we want to see those Dominion election reports so we can verify the chain of custody then versus now, uh, or when, whenever we get an inspection. So that's the, that's the actual relief that we're asking for. Um, and it's just show us this and then we'll go from there. So that's what's on the table. That's the discussion for this coming Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. We still have work to do to prepare. Uh, and I'm sure they do, too, Fulton County. So um, it should be an interesting hearing. And um, we don't know how it's going to turn out, but we feel like that we've made a an incredibly strong case uh, that is going to be hard to defend. Right. Um, so what happens yeah. if you guys get what you, if you do get granted the ability to do that and you find that there was fraud or, or mistakes that completely favored Biden that might look like it could be replicated in other areas? What, what would happen next after that? Well, I, I I think it that would be a prediction, so I can't really predict what okay. might happen. But here's what we'll do. Here's what I can say. If we get an inspection, we will be able to uh, have results very quickly, and we'll be able to publish what the results are for the world to know. Uh, and um, I think that would happen very, very quickly you know, within a day or so after we get an, uh, an inspection. So, yeah, it won't take that long to look at the ballots. Let's do you guys mind two things? Um, we have a lot of how long? How long will it take? Just curious. Yeah. So um, uh, it depends on when we start. You know, it would, I'm guessing um, we could get through most of the ballots in about it's 150,000 ballots. So I'm guessing about maybe eight hours or so. You know, we have to scan them 
for forensics, we will inspect them before we scan them. Uh, you know, we're looking for good batches, bad batches. So, so um, it, it, it'll go pretty quickly, actually, because we'll have a big team of, of a couple dozen that folks, if if we get the right to go ahead, you know, we'll, we'll be all lined up and ready to go. Uh, I'm going to start. We have a lot of questions here. I'm having a little bit of a connection issue. I have to drop off and come back on. But let me throw up some um, questions there. Binkley, can you throw questions up? Yes, also? I can. I can. All right. Let's let's start with this one. I'm going to uh, drop off and come back uh, on, but let's just read this first. Nowhere to go but up says, so will this change anything if fraud is proven? Well, it, it's it's certainly going to change things. Um, so, um, and I have to be kind of careful today. This is my last um, segment before the trial. And so I, so I gave, uh, I wanted to have Monica uh, to kind of give her the, last word on this before Friday. So um, you kind of have like a, I don't want to call it a gag order, but you have to be careful because of the the, 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 the legal proceedings coming up. Exactly. Exactly. Binkley. So um, I, I can't make a prediction of what's going to happen. There's no telling, but the, the evidence will be known and what the powers that be choose to do with it will be uh, up to them. So I can't predict what they might okay. be, be do, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on a lot of folks if, if we find out that there's some, you know, some things that aren't really hanky paint, you know, aren't really kosher. So uh, thank you for your patience. Charles asks if State Farm arena ballots were skewed fraudulently in favor of Biden, could they have been also in favor for Ossoff and Warnock? Um. So we are only, uh, okay, I think that's mixing the November election with the January election. So we're only focusing on November election. Warnock was, well, uh, I guess, well, maybe not. Maybe this is talking about uh, November. So here's what the sworn affidavits say. There's a couple of them that say that there, there were down ballot races. There were down ballot races marked in these ballots. So it wasn't just the presidential race. So you're right. I, I'm, now I understand the question better. I'm thinking of January, but they're thinking about November. Right. So, so um, yes, uh, the down ballot races were marked uh, on these ballots, at least uh, some of them. Now, some of them, they may not have been marked. We just don't know until we look at them because there could be thousands and we've only seen, you know, a few hundred. Now, if if there were enough also Purdue votes, it would have meant that Purdue had, was not required to have a runoff, which he apparently allegedly lost. And in that case, he would have, I'm sure, recourse at least to pursue. It's unprecedented as far as I know. And although logic would dictate that the first election, the should be reinstated these days, who knows, but we don't know, right? You don't know how that process would work. Right, right. I can't predict what he might do or what, uh, what, you know, if, if the evidence turned out that way, you know, I mean, we could turn out that everything was fine or we could turn out exactly like you're saying, Monica. So, and we just don't know until we do it, but, uh, I don't know what he may or may not do, you know, when, if, if that turned out that way, 
uh, it would be up to him to see, you know, he'd have to pursue his own uh, avenues uh, for recourse and redress. Yeah. You know, if, if, if it was committed against him. So Kevin just has a point, which is an excellent one, of course, is uh, I hope Mr. Cheely emphasizes the point. If the state has nothing to hide, they'd allow us to see the ballots, the ballots which belong to we the people. So they're really that is the main point, regardless of all the process issues. There would have to be something really when I went to Mm -hmm. law school, there was all sorts of policymaking by judges where they would use as an excuse that the process was was not as important as the policy, which is totally wrong, unconstitutional, whatever. But they seem to grab that stuff when they need it. But in this case, it seems like the process should be in your favor. But who knows? And even if it weren't, they could say that that it was overriding since it's so critical. Yeah. So Kevin has the key point here. So this is what we're really doing. This is what it's all about. It is about the people. The people have to have access to the ballots. And that's why we're we're are suing. We've done this in a, another county as well just recently. So um, the key point that Kevin is making here is that the, the ballots belong to the people, regardless of who may or may not win once we inspect them. But the the, the bigger issue is that you know Fulton County is hiding these ballots from us. Uh, and they're not the only county that's done this. And that, that's the biggest concern. And they have some legal grounds to do that because once it's certified, uh, election certified, they are sealed and it does require court order. So that's going to be their argument. They've already basically made that argument. Uh, there's no um, you know, there's no question that that's what they're going to argue. So um, it, it's it's really uh, but, you know, the. We, we offered, we, we raised the point a long uh, time ago. In fact, I put this in the actual uh, recommendations to the Safe Voting System Commission. And uh, when they were evaluating, we said that we have to have transparent elections. And specifically, we literally wrote the code language and put it in the recommendation. Here's how Georgia code has to be changed to allow public inspection of ballots. And the uh, legislators ignored us. And we still have these uh, lack of transparency that's causing this court case and another court case and other court cases. People just want to see the ballots, which are available in other jurisdictions outside of Georgia. What's funny, though, is that not funny, but the what's really a miracle. I mean, I I have long ago decided or observed that the American experiment, this limited government really cannot it can't you know that piece of paper is not holding back this tide. But I did always have to give kudos to the fact that like in enforcing contracts and other kind of process issues, having a process that's been really well established has been tweaked over the years. I love the way common law and case law works together to make sure that marginal cases get resolved and have a precedent. I like the system. I mean, I think, or I should say the system is uh, for such a complex uh, system, both in private transactions and the political process, this stuff was working. And now it, and when you 
and I've always said this about uh, Middle Eastern wars, where we have this uh, concept of American exceptionalism. People think that means that we're extraordinary. It doesn't mean that. It means that we are an exception to international law. And I would say, look, if you start bombing other countries and they don't feel like there is order or law or justice, they will stop staying in their lane. I have a like funny side story. I'll get in later if we have time. But as soon as you... Uh, you know, it's like black market drugs are way stronger than stuff that people can talk about and, and sell. You start having a breakdown of the system. So as this thing, which is clearly not as good as it could have been, it you anticipated problems that would happen. Those problems did happen. And the impact of that, if you magnify it, it A, it feeds into what's happening in D.C. But B, what's happening in D.C. is a reflection of this problem elsewhere too where really law-abiding people that's why lynn wood what lynn wood's doing i don't like think he's what you see is what you get but by him coming out and saying republicans don't vote for the republicans like trumpsters don't vote for the republicans or when you see what happened in dc their pipe bombs have been found in uh the dnc and the rnc so now you have people who used to think that the republicans were at least fighting the good fight now they feel like there's no process left for them and what do right. you do then you look at our own history the establishment of this country was a revolutionary process because we did not feel that we had the representation that uh, good governance would require. So the, these details, that's why, I, you know, whenever people rant and stuff, and I always think we should do something about it. And you, and I, I'm not blowing smoke, what you're doing is the thing I always thought people should do about it. Like there is legal recourse. Let's play that out. And as this, um, if this continues to seem like a dead end in an unjust way, there is not no other. I think a, a lot of people and there are a lot of rabble rousers out there trying to get people to think this way. I'm not one of them. I don't like it. I think it's a setup, but people will feel there's no recourse within the system. And and then to extend the drug analogy, when you have guys who can't call the cops or go to the courts or whatever, they they don't have prison set up in their basements. They just go and break your legs. You know, like that's not good. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we're trying to fight so hard for the legal process, Michael. I mean, we, we just I thought that this was the simplest way to resolve the problem for everyone. You know, if there's no fud, we can, then we know that Joe Biden has won. He won Georgia fair and square. And that's the end of it. Um, or if there is, and you have to uh, should subtract, you know, the appropriate votes and, and make some adjustment. Of course, we don't know if that's going to happen, but the, the, you have to have an inspection to know, uh, you know, who really uh, got these votes. So, and and to Kevin's question here, which I do want to know, he says, "Will you be posting a WebEx link to Friday's hearing?" But I might point out also that it's quite convenient that the COVID lockdown stuff has justified the government not being in its seat available to people's First Amendment right of assembly and petition. That they have they have put it in a totally controlled medium, yes. so that. You know, seeing a number of how many people are listening at a at a hearing is not the same as having people crowded through the hallways on a standing room only. Garland should have a say. So is can we see that? Can we see the hearing? Oh, yeah, they, they will post it. Um, it will, we'll, we'll put it up on um, VoterGA.org events tab. 
Uh, it'll be up there as soon as we get the hearing link. It, it's a public hearing. Um, so everyone is welcome to attend, uh, you know, by remotely. And um, I, I would think it's probably will not be a long hearing. I think it'll be pretty, pretty, uh, you know, reasonably short. And so as soon as we get that link, and you know, we may only come a day or two before, uh, but by Thursday or Friday, we should have it posted. As soon as, well, as soon as it's posted, you'll get it. It'll be up there. Yeah. As soon as we get it, it'll be posted. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. I see a question here that I've heard a lot of people talking about yeah, in the news. It's from Dan. Does Georgia have some sort of residency requirement before someone could vote? Could a lot of these ballots in question be from college students who are really from out of state? And can those be tossed? Um, so are we talking about the November? I'm not sure which election we're talking about. Um, so the in the in the November election, the ballots are already separated from the signatures. So there's no tracing of a ballot back to the individual who voted because that would be a violation of the Georgia Constitution secret ballot. You can't trace the ballot back to the voter. Uh, so and uh, that's constitutional. Um, so from that regard, it would not, uh, you know, we can't, you know, you couldn't really make that determination. Is there, what, what, what do you think about, they have started talking about the, the idea of secret ballots, whether, whether ballots should be more transparent, like whether people shouldn't be able to have that and an anonymity to hide behind. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, it's a constitutional requirement. Yeah. No, nobody. You shouldn't know how uh, anybody else voted. I, I'd have to respect that. Yeah. I got to respect the constitutional requirement. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change that. Um, and it's it's not really a valid excuse in this case anyway. Because um, here's here's what's here's what's wrong, Bankley. What we want to do is if you, if the issue is the signature verification, we want to get eyes on that ahead of time when the signatures are being verified. I think that's the problem with the process. Um, and so that's where I would look to make the change at the at the signature verification process, making sure that's all tied down as they come in. I don't think there's enough oversight there for multi parties and that kind of thing. So I think I would respect the constitutional right to secret ballot and then yeah. try to address it that way. So um, I don't know if we talked about this, but we. We don't want to put you in a, any kind of position, Garland, where right. it, it impairs your, um, you know, the appearance of objectivity or anything like that. This is a right. really critical point. So right. uh, if I recall correctly, you have done no other media appearances this week for that reason. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, and I didn't state this at the beginning of the show. So I am I've canceled all media appearances for the week. Um, this is the last show uh, that I'm doing. I did it because a couple of reasons. One is we already scheduled it before the attorney said, let's um, not do it. You had already announced it. And you've been our longtime friend and supporter. So I wanted to give you the last word on this. And for, for me, for, for the week. 
I didn't even, and I so appreciate that, but I didn't even want to risk putting you in that position. However, I feel like the tone that's coming down right now from the left and the right at all levels of the media anyway, is that this is over. And I didn't want to cancel this and have people think that it was actually over. So I thought it was good for us to touch bases with each other. But if we can't go too deep on that stuff, maybe we can go a little bit um, further field. And I know you don't want to speculate on any of this stuff, but maybe we can touch on some of the topics and tones that we're seeing heading into the inauguration. Because if this starts to bubble up to the surface, um, you know, I wouldn't want you your your process to be drowned out or or anything like that. But Binkley, do you have you felt like with your finger on the pulse that things are calming down or bubbling up? Like, what do you make of this idea that they want to impeach Trump still, even though there would be no time for a trial? I mean, obviously, that's just for optics or for the history books or or to provoke people? I mean, what's your feeling? I think all of the above. I think optics, history books provoke people. I saw something a little while ago where the impeachment thing, it might go even beyond the inauguration. So to me, that's just that's just for the purpose of of public relations, of the history books, of possibly preventing him from being able to run in, in 2024. I, I don't know is that if that's true. I know that uh, we were told that well, the other day. They said that they might include that in the articles of, com- ah, of impeachment, and then that would. I don't think it's calming down yet. I think, from a censorship standpoint, I think it's just heating up. Right. So, so we from the beginning of Parlor, it seemed like people were just all of a sudden it came up out of nowhere, and you know how I feel about stuff like that. It just makes the scene drives me crazy. I just have a hard time believing in it. So. Uh, so it feels to me like Parler was set up to be knocked down and various big tech is saying that they're going to take it down. I don't think it is down. I know that I have lost hundreds of followers and followings. So it's not just people unfollowing me. It's people I follow who have disappeared from Twitter. I don't, yeah, I don't know. me too. Is Same that, here. Do you think that's getting purged or people people are voluntarily they're canceling Twitter? So. Yeah, uh, I, I think they're moving to Gab. Yeah, now Gab isn't, doesn't, I I always thought Gab was pretty legit, but then the founder of Gab kind of started following the same pattern as Lynn Wood, making mm. like very, you know, m- memes of Jesus as, uh, you know, that just really, uh, it seems very exploitive. I don't like that at all. But he's following Lynn Wood saying, you know, I used to be not like this, but now I am because I see the lights and we're doing this for Jesus. And it's like weird stuff like that. So I don't know where he is at right now, but uh, I used to think he, it was legit gap. Hmm. So, yeah, I haven't I don't I, I haven't uh, checked that out. So I don't really know for sure. So, yeah. So, Binkley, what do you think? Is that what's your gut on how this is coming down? The Gab parlor thing is I, I'm still figuring out the 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 differences there. I, I I I think Gab is probably a little little more Wild West than um Parlor. Parlor's a, a Mercer family investment. And Oh right. Oh my gosh, that's we Steve pointed Bannon. this out right when right when Parlor became yes, like suddenly yes, started yes, trending yes, a couple yes. months ago. We were like, look out for this. They're putting this there for a reason. And, and I think we're seeing the reason. I, I think forgot is, that. Yeah. It is is it's like a 
100 Flowers campaign. They're putting this thing up there and sending all these people that they want to marginalize, the opinions they want to marginalize and they want to suppress. And they, they're taking them to the, the platform and they're going to track them or, the, or they'll shut them down or both. That's so interesting because that the Mercer family. Are you familiar, Garland, with the Mercer family? Slightly. Yeah, they um, I think they were Cambridge Analytica. I know they were, but they were also associated and I think an employment relationship with um, Kelly. What's what's her name? Whose daughter is the TikTok star? She was Trump's Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, Kellyanne Conway and Steve Bannon were both Mercer people. And uh, when we talked to Isaac Weishaupt, he suggested that Bannon himself was Q and it all, you know, it all comes together. If Lynn, I was, I found a reference that said like Lynn Wood was a Trump attorney. So like it's possible he's connected in that way and they were all together. They would be the ones I would think of all people who are. So the way I think of it is, I don't believe in the parties as the ultimate power. I think there are a couple of layers above them and I consider the Mercers above them and that it wouldn't be uh, beneath them to stimulate a, an uprising to further marginalize the, anybody who stands firm on our founding principles, anyone who's will not capitulate to moving forward to the technocratic totalitarian future that they have set up for us. And here's the thing, even I, when I read this stuff, I'm not trying to dominate. It's just, uh, you know, it's, we're just having a conversation here to keep people, you know, I want to hear what other people are saying and stuff. This last thing I'll say, but even if we, um, you know, you see that great reset language and the World Economic Forum stuff and it's 2030 and I have no privacy. I own nothing and I'm happy. Even I, in the back of my mind, I kind of I, I see the pictures, these stylized pictures of young, beautiful women so happy and carefree. And I just think, yeah, how bad could it be? And but it's that's not the few. So then I see this and I'm like, OK, they're not doing that for us. I saw for the first time in the longest time. Uh, leaves in front of a stoplight and then it was like dangerous and I thought that's like deindustrialization in Cuba it's like that when they stop taking care of the infrastructure I I don't know if I should even talk about this but I was in a restaurant in uh, like East LA and I was surprised that they were open and there was a raid there was a raid they were not allowed to be open and the health department raided them and the guys chased us all out. They said, hide. They threw all the food away. And then and then we went back and you guys and were hiding out in a restaurant. I don't even want to say it because who knows? You know, I don't want those people to get in trouble. Yeah, behind yeah, about the movie Inglorious Bastards. I don't know that one, but I, did. I mean, I know what it is. But it's like speakeasies, you know, and then if you have that, who's going to wear a mask or have social distancing if you're if you're not, you know what I mean? If you're underground, if it's a black market. But my point is that it's it, I'm worried more about like Cuba meets Nazi Germany, <laughs> you know, not like we're not like <sighs> living above ground in total in uh, Demolition Man where, OK, so everything's like hyper sanitized. I don't think things are going to be hyper sanitized. I think when they have that absolute power even if they want to fulfill those promises, it won't happen. 
So I do have a question. Why was Gavin Newsom allowed to have a party with 10 or 12 people in a restaurant? Well, and you, you can't. Right. That's the thing. So that's probably what gave those people that, you know, uh, chutzpah. But there's over 400,000 signatures to recall him. Oh, oh, I think there's over a million. There might be over a million. Over a million. Yeah. To recall him. Yeah. So I don't know how that process would work. He's very well connected. Even if he were to get lose, get out of office, he would land on his feet. He's like a Getty guy and a Pritzker guy, I think. So uh, he doesn't care. So let's see what other people want to say. And um, guy that runs get. Yeah, they've been talking about how Parler is going to get removed from the App Store and from Google as well. And I thought it was supposed to happen today. But as far as I can see, it's still up. Maybe it's not supposed to happen until tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, oh, Signal. That was probably the one that you yes. were thinking of. Yes. Garland was saying Signal's another one you can do. Yeah. Well, that's well, of course, Signal, as you know, is uh, for uh, cell phone texting and communication. So, right. I have Telegram. Um, extra, extra security. And I think yes. Mastodon is another some sort of social media site. I've heard, I've heard uh, I think No Agenda mentioned that a lot. I think they might have uh, their own social media thing on there. I'm not sure exactly. Oh. Oh, so maybe it's like servers, like on Discord and stuff. Yeah, I, I think did, it might be like that. By the way, I did put, um, I'm trying to get our website back on track. We have a website, thepropreport.com, and a listener who's a web designer built for us like a little mini Twitter, which was really going strong, but then it just stopped, kept crashing, and um, uh, we, we, didn't move it to a better server or whatever. So anyway, I think we might be back on that. It's called the press pool because you take a deep dive and it's the prop report.com, which probably everybody knows. So, uh, parlor has until Sunday and Amazon D platforms. Wow. To do what? Oh, to get, to get it together, to get people oh. off, to censor people. To censor people, right. So here's the thing. This is true fascism. This is what the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab do. And I've been noticing it for a long time. They tried to put up SOPA and CISPA, which would be surveillance and censorship laws against the Internet. This was a while back, less than 10 years ago, for sure. And it failed completely. So they're doing it this way. Everything is like this. Um, they're, they've put all speech, all free speech, all First Amendment <coughs> rights onto social media, which they call private platforms, and then they either direct them or pressure them to to do this stuff. It's totally unconstitutional, in my opinion. Do you have an opinion on that, Garland? Like they say it's it's if you look at the history of some of these social media companies, ultimately even the technology can be tracked a lot of times to the Defense Department originally. Do you have any feeling about I know that you understand and adhere to libertarian principles that if it's a private company, they should be able to do what they want. But but I I I call BS on them being private or I'd like to know your opinion. Well, the um, uh, central, you know, I guess you know that the Central Intelligence Agency funded uh, several of those, the biggest organizations, and not only in social media, but also in, you know, the, uh, you know, you got Google, YouTube, Facebook. But um, I, I guess the thing that I never, I just never thought we would be at this point. I just, I, I mean, I can never imagine in America that this type of censorship would 
uh, apply. It's it's just beyond my 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 expectation. Of course, you know, and even if you go with the libertarian principles, you still have Section Two Thirty, which has given them a pass. Uh, social media, which they don't deserve because they are actually editing. They're not just a platform uh, that is just a pass-through platform. They're actually publishing and editing the content and that that they should be subject to the same laws that all the other publisher publishers and editors are subject to, and they're not. So that's kind of a scary uh, thing that, that needs to change, and that still didn't get through Congress this time. Here, I, I would... And a nuance to that, I, unless I, I wouldn't, I'd be open to it changing, but to repeal it could backfire in that, right. right? So Bill Barr said, well, we put Section 230 in there so that tech could get big and now it's big so we can close it. And to me, that just means that if you close it, big tech, which can afford to comply with the regulatory state would forever be the only people left there. So if they could grandfather that, that would be okay. If they, if they, if you wanted to make it a more, it's, it's just a, it's just whatever, 27 words or something. It could be more robust where there's a lot of different kinds of laws and regulations that distinguish between the little guy and the big guy and give people a pass for, you know, like even at a certain point, you don't need a bathroom in a restaurant if it only has five seats in it, you know. So mm. there's stuff like that that could help. But simply repealing it, I think, would backfire. The Gab guy said, please don't repeal it because he could not afford to comply with with like liability risks. And then what I think would happen is they go some would go to Gab and set them up by doing something bad or violent using Gab you know what I mean? And then you'd have problems. So, yeah, it's it is it is it is a more complex issue, I think. I think you're right about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Ism can't had a question, but I believe you covered this already. Um, if you do find massive fraud, what percentage would you say likely to have any effect on the election? And, and you can't really speculate on that right now because of the legal proceeding. Is that correct? Right. Um, I, I can't uh, speculate or make predictions or go down rabbit holes today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but of course, that's a good question. Uh, very good question. But I, I just we have to what we have to do on Friday is we have to get the right to inspect the ballots and then we'll see where it goes from there. But we can't really jump past or look past Friday because we still have that the battle to get the just to be able to get what we should uh, already have access to, and that is those ballots. Um, right. you know, it's available in other states. The ballot uh, yeah. is available, uh, not in Georgia. So <laughs> That's important moving forward for the elections moving forward and, and really to believe any election moving forward, that should be the case, the ability to inspect them. It, it's hard to believe, Binkley, we're here arguing in a court of law such a ridiculous, <laughs> It's just such a common sense thing. Yeah. Ridiculously common sense. Um, you know, I don't see how you can justify uh, the constitutional right if you don't conduct transparent elections. I don't see how you can justify your constitutional right to vote. 
And it's just like so many other things where I'll puzzle through, puzzle through, I'll see the writing on the wall. And ultimately, it seems like every path you take as they they block off process after process or injustice after injustice, you just think it's outside the the answer lies outside the legal framework. And I mean, I am I don't believe that a piece of paper can ensure our liberty, but this seems a, a highly manipulative. Speaking of which, Thomas says supposedly the power outages in Pakistan and the Vatican are related to Italy being involved in the U.S. election. Does anybody know anything about that? Have you guys heard about that? Uh, I, I have seen that information. Uh, and uh, so let's I, here's what I can say about that. Uh, rather than to get into that specific allocation, there's been several allegations of foreign interference into elections and foreign organizations changing election results. So what I can say is that if if that's out there, the first thing you have to ask yourself is how did they backload the results into the county servers? Because if y'all remember, elections are reported from the precincts to the counties to the state. That, that's the way all elections are reported, <coughs> even in Georgia. So if somebody interfered outside of that domain, you have to ask the question, how did they backload the results into the counties and have them propagated up? And, and most of the things I've seen with foreign interference don't answer that question. And that makes me wonder if they're legitimate or not. So those are some of the things that you can kind of look at to try to determine whether you, what you see in social media is true or false. They should be, have that explanation with it if it's, if it's a legitimate um, uh, argument. And as I often say with with do you believe in this false flag or not, it's, if you don't want to go down that rabbit hole, it doesn't matter at all. As long as you defend your rights, this process, I mean, as long it doesn't it really doesn't matter if it's Italy or Mickey Mouse. It doesn't really matter if you if you have a, an avenue and, you know, that might matter if you want to get retribution, but it's not going to matter in resolving the issue what you're doing matters in resolving the issue. Well, right. And so here's where we can, here's the real life example, Monica, that you talked about so many times is that back going back to Kennesaw state in 2017, that system, that central Georgia election system was in fact exposed to the internet and anyone in the world could have hacked into it and they could have put a um, virus on there and could have downloaded that. Uh, in our old system for any election, for for any voting machine, for any county. They could literally control that. Uh, and if malware would be downloaded to the machines without detection, none of the county officials would have known, even the state officials for the most part would not have known. So that actually did happen. And that's a real life example of of the Georgia uh, election system being exposed in 2017. Uh, there's a lot of publicity about that. We have that report about that up on voterga.org news tab. So that in fact did happen. And that, that way we can explain how that malware was loaded down to the the uh, counties right. and, and the voting machines. So that you know, we have the explanation for that. 
that I think it was a real possibility that it happened. Um, the ones that I've heard so far in 2020 don't explain it to that level of detail uh, that we did in 2017 with our report. So I'd have to reserve judgment on whether or not they're they're true or not. Right. I, I think this is um, these couple of comments are interesting. Parler will be an example. So if Parler goes down, this is just to go back to a previous um, topic. Parler would, if Parler goes down, it will be an example. And Gawker was such an example. So if Gawker lost everything for doing something that had previously been kind of okay, same thing for my WordPress site. WordPress actually said, someone wants you taken down, but we've actually gone to the mat for people like you before. Here's the statute. Here is the precedent. We don't think you should take that stuff down. Because I, st- someone asked us to, ta- ta- asked me to take some stuff down. I took it down. He kept asking me to take stuff down, and then WordPress said, "Don't worry about it." And then they took my whole site down forever without explanation. And Gawker oh. had a similar thing, and Parler could be the same in that. And Binkley nailed this immediately that Linwood was leading the way to set the precedent on Twitter by going too far, which he did. And the fact that it's just too far. We're seeing them identify people who were just at that rally on Wednesday. Didn't even go inside, just photos from outside, people being doxxed. And the people on social media are calling for them to lose their jobs and for all kinds of just other horrible things. And if that's the case, just based on what pictures people are looking at, then you have a whole social media platform where all of these people of similar beliefs go to that you want to fire them, just go to Parler. Yes, that's when that's what I thought about Gab from the beginning, that it was the thousand flowers or hundred flowers campaign or the Hungarian revolution or they we did in Iraq where you just get people to identify themselves as dangerous revolutionaries. You wait, you wait until everybody gets into that, you know, little spaceship and then you just shoot it off into space. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what totally what I thought about Gab. But I, I forgot to, you know, think it through for Parler. Yeah, I'm curious why Parlors is being pushed ahead of Gab. To me, that gives Gab more credibility. Me too. Totally agree. Totally agree. So this isn't as as like silly as it sounds. I mean, ism can't end it with a laugh, but it says I saw a QAnon post saying that this was all part of the plan. Trump is getting warrants to round up all the elite pedos. The 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 Q thing, the pedo thing, all then connects up. Isaac Weishaupt was the first person to kind of give us a you know a foreshadowing of this that it goes in with this traditionalism this christian thing like all these themes are converging i know garland that you can't talk about this stuff but i also know that you uh you know you 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 quite often like with the section 230 thing see things for what they are so i after this is all said and done i'll be so interested in your reflections on it in retrospect so uh, I had another thought about that. Gosh, this is just, um, you know, where do we go from here? Where do you go after this lawsuit, irregardless of what happens? Is irregardless even a word? I know sometimes it's not really regardless of what happened. <laughs> maybe I should say what, do, what is your next step? I know you've been doing a lot of work on this and you have it certainly seems to me been getting derailed or pushed. They, it seems to me like there's been. Pretty strong effort to not allow you to show, discover what you guys have been investigating, what you found. And um, so what's your next move? Do you know? 
Well, in fairness, Binkley, uh, the, the, the case has moved quickly because we filed this just before uh, Christmas. Um, I, uh, we were surprised that nobody else filed this case. Uh, Linwood had the affidavits back in November 15th or 16th. Um, the other uh, attorneys have had these affidavits. And we end up being the only one that has filed this case to actually challenge ballots. Most of them are challenging voters or election processes or procedures, but none of them actually challenged the ballots that we knew were uh, potentially uh, fraudulent. So, so in fairness, the case has moved kind of fast uh, since we're you know, we're getting to uh, the point here. Uh, you know, and this next week will be less than a month, and we'll hope to have a decision on the key part of our case. So so it's moved kind of fast, but I think the delays have been more uh, to other attorneys that haven't taken the same tack, which we think is the most uh, effective tack to take, well, which is challenge the ballots. And I think the reason is that all these other attorneys are not election attorneys, and they don't really uh, understand election law and how to uh, make this kind of a case on constitutional grounds and uh, grounds on open records requests and that sort of thing. So that's kind of a different animal. Most, most attorneys are uh, defamate, defamation lawyers or personal injury lawyers, or you have a variety of different types of attorneys like that, and they're just not really constitutional lawyers, election lawyers, that sort of thing. It's really hard to find good election lawyers or any at all because most of them work for the state or the counties, to, and they have to defend the states and the counties all the time because they're constantly being sued. That's so. also true for like employment law and and that kind of thing. The government, the corporations hire up all the employment lawyers. It's really it's yeah. unfair. Same concept. So this has been my thing the entire time and the in the chat people are talking about how just it's just amazing how and i'm sure binkley has an opinion on this just amazing how you know people are saying stupid gullible i don't know what the right word is but both on the right and left anybody anybody who isn't deeply immersed in this like we probably all everybody here is mm -hmm. is just taking their news from CNN or Fox. They're talking about these riots. They're creating this. It's and I had a, somebody say to me, like, I'll never now I'm questioning every single historical event I ever read about because you can see them writing history right yeah. now. Us, we're, we're looking around. We're talking about it. What we're saying isn't going to be in a library anywhere. What's going to be in the library is the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times, which are making things up. And the vast majority of people believe it. And then furthermore, so even the Q people, believe, you know, even the, the anti-Trump people, they're certainly being manipulated by it. They don't really believe it, but they're falling right into that trap. So and, and so the one thing is I can't believe 
how people are just, are they stupid? And, and the second thing is, as part of that, I don't really think it's, it's as much that they're stupid and gullible and that the idea of critical thinking, the skill of critical thinking has been bred out of us, educated out of us for a hundred years. That alone is not it. I think you have to layer on top of that, this team feeling, the team spirit, the red versus blue, that when, when you're, my brother is saying when he was a kid, if you stepped out of bounds, there are no refs, you know, pickup game. You would say, oh, that didn't count. Could you imagine if like a professional basketball said, player said that he'd be fired and the fans would kill him like in soccer, they'll kill you. So this idea of uh, your team, right or wrong, makes people, I really think they hit up what my sister coined as the ethical glass ceiling. They they want to they just they'll say that they think it's true. Like, I can't believe you like Trump after Russian interference. And and they have just decided to accept it because it's on their side. You know, so it's both stupid and biased. And it's really it's it's makes you think less of humanity at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. Oh. Oh, go ahead. Go well, ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think that the most important thing is that people just cannot understand that the news media has its own agenda. It's when it, when it comes to politics, you know, they're used to seeing that okay, they can report the weather or something, you know, some event that has no political significance properly. And then they assume that they, they're going to report political events properly, when in reality, when it gets to politics or government things, uh, most of the news media has their own agenda and they cannot report accurately and that they choose not to. And most Americans don't understand that. Yeah, the news wasn't created wow. to inform people. The news, <laughs> the news was created to shape reality. It, it based on the people who are behind the news. Even go back and you look at the history of the news. It was never just there. Just oh, we should just give people all the information so that they can make decisions that might go against our interests. It was, we need to wrangle people so that we have them serve our interests based on the reality we create for them. And it does, it is easy to say that sounds dumb. I can't believe these people are acting so dumb, but when we are any, every person on the planet, when we are whipped up in an emotional fervor, we are dumb. We are dumb when we are, when we are, when our emotions are are ruling us and this emotional appeals, this propaganda has been so powerful and effective that, that people are seeing red and they're not thinking straight. There's another element to it that uh, uh, someone else in our group brought up previously is that the like in the USSR, and I've noticed this, we've talked about this truth in advertising laws, um, insider trading the FDA, a lot of this stuff is is actually our worst nightmare because in the USSR, people knew the government outright owned the media outlets. They knew that's what that was. People don't even realize the BBC is owned by the government and they will literally say to you, oh, yeah, but they're separate. And which is just hilarious to me. But the and they, and they go out of their way to make it look separate. They put up stuff against their interests all the time, all that. But I feel like our... Our we are we have been constantly indoctrinated with the idea and have all these laws and everything that we should trust what we're told because Big Brother is curating it for us from in from the point of view of the FDA or that the press is a free press because look there's millions of them and look at a USSR and they even to this day will say this is a state you know RT is a state run press enterprise but I never saw them write that about the BBC ever. 
So I think that it's almost the freedom in itself that has given us this that's been more it's like democracy. Democracy is a greater weapon in the hands of tyrants than, uh, you know, a gun. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, and the most uh, dangerous person on Earth is an uninformed voter. Absolutely. I'm totally I I think you should have to take a test to vote. A test about the information that you you know about the the candidates and but the government I, would run those tests. Absolutely you. right. That's right, right Monica. Being I don't vote for candidates. I, I, if I haven't researched them, I don't know anything about them. I don't vote for that that particular race or whatever. But I know people who just they just say, "Well, I'm going to vote D or R all the way down." They legitimately think that's best, knowing absolutely nothing about the people they could be helping to elect. And if that's right. the way people are going to be voting, then why why wouldn't you, as right. uh, somebody with ambition, pretend to be something that you're not if you know people aren't thinking about it? Right. I, I think Monica got you on that one, Binkley. About <laughs> who, who would control the test? Yeah, whose test? Clint, no, Clint you're right. Theoretically, ideally, yes. Right, right, right. So uh, I, um, I think we should wrap it up. And although we just got okay. a bunch more people come to watch, but uh, we can, you might even be able to rewind this if people want to. And we're definitely putting it in the free feed, the propaganda report, any podcast you want. And really, for people who joined later, Garland's really in the thick of it here and he wants to do it right. He's not going to uh, deliberately sabotage himself like every single other person we might have had hope in. It's not like I have faith in the system, but I do have faith in Garland. And we didn't want to. He came here, even though he canceled his other shows for the entire week uh, just for us. And we went ahead and decided to do it in large part because we wanted to make sure people understood that this is not over, that you continue to fight the fight you're expecting before. If we meet again next Sunday at the same time, two o'clock mm-hmm. Eastern, you will have gone through the hearing and perhaps even been able to look at those ballots at long last. There is there is a chance that that will happen this week. That's for, that's a very good possibility. And uh, we, we might have some information next week uh, right. to share. So we'll just have to wait and see how the hearing goes. And uh, uh, we I feel good about it. I feel really good about it. Well, I do sincerely mm-hmm. think that although... You know, I don't know what I, what what God looks like, but I think we ought to just pray for this country and just if it's a higher being or whatever. I think this is the we have really. If there's any hope for the power of of uh, intention and prayer, I think this week is just, yeah. Pray for Garland too. He's been putting a lot of hard yeah, work pray in. Pray for and Garland. He, it's, yeah. it's not a, I mean, it's a tough job that you're doing. And I, I know that we appreciate it and everybody listening does. And is, is there anything that I know you have the hearing coming up? Is there anything that anybody can do that that would help out? Well, uh, the, the prayers are great. We have people praying literally all over the country uh, for us. And that's just absolutely wonderful. So thank you for that. And uh, just go up to VoterGA.org. Uh, and the everything you really need to know about the hearing uh, is up there. All of the legal documents are up there. You can it's all public record. You can review uh, the case, what our arguments are, uh, voterga.org. And, you know, the, my testimony is on the events tab. Uh, we got the press releases out there. And, and there's also the donate tab. If you if you want to make a donation, that'd be That's great. a great idea. You have never in all the years I have known you, you have never asked for donations. Yeah, I was hoping that you would. That, wow. That, yeah. 
Wow, wow, wow. Well, I'm going to go donate right now. Okay. I'm serious. <laughs> well, Thank thanks, you. Mike. <laughs> it's a small way to contribute. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is fantastic. Okay, so let's say, let's hope that we can do this next Sunday at 2 o'clock Eastern right here live. And in the meanwhile, anybody who wants to share this, go to our podcast feed. And I think this video, I don't know how long it's going to stay up. I took out all the tags so it wouldn't get taken down. There was a big alert on it. So I just, I put all the descriptions. I took all the descriptions down because there was alert, like there's disinformation. So I took that down. It's just subvert, you know, I just slipped it in there. It's just under the radar. Feel free to share it. Otherwise come listen to it on the propaganda uh, report. Thanks, thank Garland. You, thank you, Mark. It's always Talk a pleasure. Next week. Okay. See you later, right. Andy. Bye-bye. See y'all later. And the answer to Ism Kant's question that I'm not going to read is no. So see you guys later. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Ism Kant goes, works blue. <laughs>